Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres social hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. Hey everybody, welcome to Padres Social Hour, the last show of the week on a Thursday evening. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, the reason is the final show of the week, because every Friar Friday, Don Orsillo and Mark Grant bring you virtual Padre baseball. That will be the case tomorrow, and to talk about all of that and more. Very happy to have both gentlemen with us again on uh, this Thursday edition of Social Hour. Brian Dozier will join us in a little bit. We'll talk 1998 with Andy Ashby. But first of all, gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you for uh, being with us again here today. Uh, Donald, uh, how's the week been going? Jesse, how are you? There we go. Now I got now I, thought, I thought it was better when his mic was muted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said the same thing about you many times. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how are you, Jesse? I'm doing very well. We're great. Thank you. Mudcat, everything. Uh, what do you got there? A little master shirt? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, took the trash out. Yes. Yesterday was trash day. Uh, had to make a run to the store today for some essentials. Just playing by the rules, wearing my masks, wearing the gloves, uh, just having to go to the store when I need to. And I'm sure you guys are doing the same as well, correct? It's yeah, Groundhog Day, sure. man. It's Groundhog Day. If you've seen the movie, it's Groundhog Day. But uh, I think going through this is going to make us appreciate much more being together. Because right now, what time is it? It's 5.32. You know what we should be doing right now, guys? Well, we should be in Detroit. But we try to be at the dinner table in Detroit, yucking it up, getting ready to play the Tigers. Actually, they're three hours ahead. So You know what I mean. So we'd be in like the fourth inning. <laughs> <laughs> right. By the right. way, have you exercised at all during this uh, last week? Oh, sure. Went for oh, a okay. four mile four mile walk today. Really? Wow. Oh, Sorry yeah. about it. Took wow. the entire day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just got back. I started. No, 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 no. Now where you drove, you walked with you your drive? feet. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about you, Donnie? You've been getting your walks in, Jesse? Every I know day. you work out regularly. I do my hour walk every day. Yeah. It's just around the neighborhood. My mask on. Sure. Yeah. Jesse, how's your work? I get an hour in every day in the walking and then a little, uh, you know, body weight exercises like Don with the push ups. That's you try and get something like that. in. 
What do you do specifically? Uh, there's like an app and they have you do different things. I, I do like 45 minutes a day when I can. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you do last week? Four? I'm sorry. You did four push-ups, Don, last week? Uh, I did four. Yes. I I've, feel like uh, if this continues, we can get that number up. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to try to go with the four again in tomorrow night's game. Okay. Uh, I think that's my plan. I'm going to try to do that again. Cause it's been, it's been long enough now that, I've recovered from the workout, so I feel like I'm ready to try it again. But I don't want to go over that. I just want to repeat what I've done so far, and then maybe we'll see next time. I also think that uh, tomorrow night I'm tired of being in my polos. I think tomorrow night's game I may get dressed up, so we'll see. It kind of be a a major league. We'll see. Uh, Both of you or just you? Mud, are you going to be able to be involved in that? Or uh, I haven't talked to Mud about it yet. I don't know. know, I have a feeling I know what he's doing, but yeah, the jury's still out on that one. I would say just uh, pick out a nice tie if you're going to wear a tie. Okay. I'm thinking about it. What do you think? I think it's big leg. But it sweats for a long time. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So I'm thinking yeah. about it. Those are the things I'm thinking about. That's, what yeah. I'm, that's what's going through my mind right now, Jesse. Push-up hey. and what I'm going to wear for the game tomorrow night. <laughs> uh, I, I suggest for the push-ups, you did four in April. May, you aim for five, fifth month of the year. And we just right. kind of progress as the year Go goes on. There. By Christmas, you can do a dozen. Don, I have a question. <laughs> sure. Since push-ups you've done, what part of your body hurts the most? Uh, I think I pulled some fat on the right <laughs> side. It, I guess it's technically uh, my oblique is under there someplace, and I think that is where the injury is mostly. And it, it goes, like, from the shoulder down. It's this good, good thing is this side, Did, not this side, because I think what, this side we may have a larger issue. Was it kind of like – was it kind of like Rice Krispies snap, crackle, pop when you started doing the push-ups at I, first? I heard something pop. Yeah, yeah, I did hear something go. And then uh, pain started shooting into that general area. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's good. It's really kind of in here. Four push-ups. Uh, it, it's um, a side boiler. <laughs> yeah. So Side boiler is the name of my new band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> write that one down. Uh, I actually had a neighbor. I just want to tell a story really quickly. Yeah. Sure. He, he actually stopped me. Uh, this was when I first got back from spring training. And he said, hey, you know, it, what, 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 what kind of musician is Mud? And I said, well, uh, what do you mean? He said, well, what, what instrument does he actually play? And I said, he, he, he does not play anything. He goes, but he's in a band. And I go, he's not really in a band. He goes, well, he changes, like, the band name, like, all the time. I had to tell him. He wouldn't believe me. He would not play. He still thinks you are in an actual band. And I'm like, no really funny he's not in a band he plays no <laughs> instruments he, it, it's it's just all part of the package <laughs> that's, that's funny. very funny that's very very funny uh can we put don back up i want to don i want to show you a comment that came in from from facebook this is joe okay. and, and just read this you know and react to it i hope mud keeps his beard all year it shows wisdom yeah oh yeah he's got a lot of wisdom there's, there's a lot of knowledge up there too <laughs> but you well, know a lot of useless knowledge. I'll admit to that. It's amazing. I like it. It's a lot. It's amazing how certain things stick in your craw since you know your childhood and whatever from school, from music, from movies, whatever. It may, baseball. I mean, uh, I mean, there's a lot of useful stats that I've. And Jesse, I know, is a baseball geek too. Uh, my dad subscribed to Baseball Digest for me, and I read that thing cover to cover, and I just loved it. And there's certain things that just stuck out in that book that I still remember today. And it's, uh, but I appreciate it. I don't know if I'm going to keep it. I'm just trying it out. It's kind of like a test run. 
it's kind of like in the transitional stage right now. Once it fills, it's going to be great. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, kind like Michael, it's kind of like Michael Keaton in Mr. Mom. Oh, the beard. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not looking good right now, but when it comes in, it's going to look great. Oh <laughs> yeah. Orson Welles jokes, huh? I'm going to take my blanket and take my fat self and go sleep on the fat couch. This is all he does. Great movie, by the way. Mr. Mom, put it on your list. Older reference. Oh, better movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, Speaking of things that took place in the past that are very enjoyable, 1998 was a wonderful year in Padre baseball. We've sort of all uh, been able to relive that and enjoy it a lot. Uh, First impressions uh, for you guys rewatching, you know, these division series games this week on Fox Sports San Diego. Game one of the NLCS uh, coming up tonight. Mud first. I know you were there. Electricity, anticipation. At let's see, I can't remember that stadium being filled like it was to the gills and everybody just from the first pitch to the last, just in uh, this team just feeding off that electricity. Um, it, this is in Atlanta, John Smoltz, obvious Hall of Famer, and Tony Gwynn. What do you know? Another knock, another run batted in. That's a shocker. This is a lineup that was solid top to bottom. Um, defensively, they were solid. And when you talk about this team going through Houston, going through Atlanta to get to the World Series, it's really something special. Uh, Andy Ashby, he had a few uh, times that, that year where he could have uh, easily thrown no hitters. But uh, Ken Kameny, the switch hitting third baseman, power from both sides. It was just the whole package, guys. It was something that every time you went to the ball game, every time we were on the air that night, it was like, you know what? These guys got a chance to win every single night. I really enjoyed it all week. I mean, the, I've watched every game, and it, it's to me the thing that jumps out is how stacked that team really was. I mean, I knew they were good, and I knew you know we celebrated them a couple of years ago, having those guys on your team and looking at who was on that roster. Uh, it was pretty amazing, and and how big Layritz was in that series and and mm-hmm. all the series in the postseason, and but just how stacked that lineup was, top to bottom. Uh, Caminetti really stands out. I didn't get a chance to really see a lot of him over the years, and watching him in those series and coming up huge has also been big and fun to watch. Uh, and Trevor, obviously, at the end of those games, but boy, what, what a great team! That must have been so much fun to be a part of and to be around those guys because very special people on that club. The, the thing, Don, and, and you've been through this, and Jesse, you, you've seen it as well, but when you're an announcer and you go to the ballpark, I mean, just from even pregame down by the batting cage, you're talking to guys and the electricity, the press, uh, the guys on the team. We, you know, that's the thing. We had, we had a group of guys on that team. They had a group of guys on that team, I should say, that were very accountable. And that's one thing that really stuck out. They were so good, and they were held accountable. They held each other accountable. Remember one time Ken Caminetti around the batting cage he said, boy, I hope you said to everybody that I stunk last night. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I stunk last night. I hope you said that. And I said, well, duly noted. I, you know, if it happens again, I'll let people know. But I, he was so hard on himself and, and teammates kept each other in check. So I think that was another reason why this team had such great chemistry and, you know, won 98 games that year. Can you count on two hands the number of times in your career somebody, a player told you, hey, make sure to tell everybody how bad I was? Yeah, I know. Never. You're a good uh, point. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I do think there was a lot of character on that team. You know, you look at the different guys there and, you know, the championship teams that I've been around, uh, they have had great character. You look at those guys top to bottom and you really feel from afar that that team really had a great deal of character guys. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just a shame they didn't win at all. Yeah. And obviously uh, ran into it in maybe the best of all those great Yankee teams of the 90s and early 2000s. A couple of weeks later in the World Series. Uh, Nonetheless, really fun to go down memory lane. Game one of the NLCS. 
uh, tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. Andy Ashby starts that game, and Andy Ashby will join us. Uh, hey, how about that? Perfect. A little bit later on uh, in this show. Uh, so that was uh, the preview of what's to come. Last night, of course, was the clincher in the division series against the Astro Mud. I mean, you mentioned it. I think everybody's been talking about the electricity and and the environment in that building. Like you said, 65,000 people. You just don't see that in baseball anymore. No. Uh, the multi-purpose stadium is is pretty much gone, I guess, outside of Toronto. Uh, and and so you, you get, you know, more intimate ballparks, which are better for fans. I mean, they're better for us. They're better. But you don't get what you got in Mission Valley uh, in the fall of 1998 anymore. And you get a real good sense of that watching this final out in last night's game, the, the clincher of the division series. Yeah. You know what? Uh, for the fans who visited Jack Murphy, uh, Qualcomm, when they remember old Jack Murphy, beside they were just high pads. When Larry Lucchino came in, they wanted to make it more intimate. That's when they incorporated the palm trees in center field, and then they put seats behind home plate. There was not a lot of foul territory at Qualcomm Stadium. I mean, it was very, very close. So the fans, even just outside the first and third base dugouts, had seats right there. Where you exited the dugout, there were fans right there. That's how close it was. So the 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 noise from the fans would just come down onto the field, and it was just unbelievable. And that series against Houston, which was a pretty darn good team, you talk about the team that they had the rotation. You had to go through Reynolds, Lima, Hampton, and remember they traded for Johnson just for that sole reason, the big unit, Randy Johnson, to get through that series and then hopefully onto the, the Padres of the World Series. But it was just unbelievable. You could hear there, – there's one other time to when I felt my shirt vibrate up against my chest. It was the 91 World Series in the dugout in the Metrodome, Game 7, when Jack Morris hooked horns, locked horns with John Smoltz. And at Qualcomm Stadium, when the Astros and the Padres hooked horns, and you could hear from the crowd the the reverberations from the crowd, your your shirt kind of vibrating on your chest. That's how loud it was. It was unbelievable. But I'm curious, what was the stadium? I mean, we talked about the stadium and what it looked like, and just the shots have been unbelievable. Yeah. The sixty five thousand people that were there. But what was the city like around them? Oh, I tell you what, Donnie, downtown uh, was unbelievable. Um, Fifth Fifth uh, Avenue. There was a bunch of places, restaurants, bars. I remember we used to, when I was working for the Quattro back in the day, Channel 4, you know, we did pre and post during those uh, playoff games. And you could hear horns honking because we did it downtown at a, at a venue downtown right off of Fifth Avenue. And as we take a big, big bow, about to win it there, Qualcomm. <laughs> and, uh, but look at, look at the upper, upper deck. I mean, to the last row, it was packed. Everybody waving their towels. Dave Stewart looking on. Just anticipating Trevor Hoffman here, the last the ground ball to the right side, and the place just erupted. But um, downtown, the city, everywhere you went, you couldn't go to the store, you couldn't go anywhere without talking Padre baseball. And like I said, we would do pre and post game. At this point right here, you can hear horns honking, you can hear people uh, on the street screaming and yelling. Um, it was a party downtown San Diego. Yeah, hopefully again someday soon at Petco and uh, throughout the region. Can I get a little more bochi, though? Oh, good, good, good game, guys. Brownie really pitched well here. I do want to tell you what. He, he a good fastball that night. That's who's got a good team. <laughs> it's not that good. Don't, you know what, Jesse? Don't feed the animals. <laughs> don't feed the animals. I like it. I like it a lot. You didn't get the memo on the shirt, by the way. I'll include you on the text next time. Yeah, uh, it looks nice. Yeah. Thanks. I like Don's pullover two-button front there. It's kind of a lower, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, kind, of, it's kind of a lower, um, 
what's that that button row there it's kind of looks kind of lower right, which yeah. is kind of like it's just that short of the boiler's beginning it's kind of yeah. like a shelf the sternum yes yep mud you worked in retail yeah i did yeah you should know yeah. what that's called many time, many years yeah, many years out of high school yeah uh hey we want to pass along uh best wishes uh to uh the legendary dodger broadcaster vin scully uh retired now for a couple of years but apparently uh suffered a fall at his home a few days ago uh dodgers tweeted this out today uh he's hospitalized but resting comfortably uh and vin showing off that trademark sense of humor i won't be doing any more head first sliding i never liked it uh first of all god bless him that he can have some fun with the situation uh but but glad that, that he's able to uh mark i guess you you've known him longer you know, than, than we have, or and Don's on longer than I have, but uh, nonetheless, I mean, just the absolute personification of class in our industry. When I think of Vince Scully, when people ask me about him, the one thing that comes to mind is that he was so gracious with his time. He, he could have played big league with everybody. He could have just told everybody to just, you know, I don't have the time for, but there was never, ever a time when I would poke my, because I knew he was busy and people always wanted to talk to him, but I always just wanted to go and say hi. He would be so gracious. Hi, Mark. How you doing? Come on in. And we chat for two or three minutes just to say hi, because then I know he had stuff to do. But I'll tell you what, just a, a gentleman from uh, from the get go, class guy and really good, dry sense of humor, too. Fun guy to be around. Kind of a really sleeper. part of the yeah. old guard, you know, I mean, of, of those guys. We were talking about Marty Brenneman uh, a couple of shows ago, but he, Vince Scully right there as well. When you get into the big leagues, he always would find his way into your booth. Uh, my first year was 2001. Uh, played him in interleague, and, and sure enough, he made his way in, introduced himself like he needed to, uh, but was just so gracious with his time, as Mud said. But you really, you felt like you'd known him your whole life, and that was a, a great quality of his and continues to be. We hope mm-hmm. he gets well soon. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I should have set this up better because it just reminded me when you said that, Don, don't you have a great picture with him from when you were an intern? Yeah, it's not a great picture. Uh, it's oh, a great, it's a great picture, picture of Vin. Vin hasn't aged a bit, but uh, <laughs> I had taken a picture with him. He was in with NBC when I was uh, 19 and an intern. And that's I think that's a way you find out about people, too. How do they treat you when you're an intern? Yeah. And he, it was the same way he treated me when I came back as a big leaguer in 2001. So uh, that was 1989. And uh, had a great shot with him. And then uh, we took another picture uh, in 2015, I believe. And uh, it didn't go quite as well for me. I'm almost unrecognizable. <laughs> it's not good. I, I, you know. Don, were you you were at Northeastern when that yes. picture? Because when you uh, you had the full flow and looking kind of sexy, right? You had yeah, the, I had yeah. it going on a little bit at that point. Yeah, you did. yeah I, I was nineteen or twenty, and I was doing stats uh, for Red Sox radio. So I sat in between at the time, uh, Joe Stiglione and Ken Coleman, and uh, Bob Starr was there one season as well. I did it two seasons, but he came in, you know, like a lot of the other broadcasters did, and introduced himself to me. You know, it was crazy. So, yeah. uh, but yes, but I did take a picture, and the before and after is is just not pretty he looks exactly the same i unfortunately do not it's a lot less moss and much more face (laughs) (laughs) uh so as we said uh best wishes to van and uh, speedy recovery hopefully uh all right guys um i've been talking on this show a lot about a couple of things one of which is with these video games that the players are going with the uh the players tournament for mlb the show I've been very excited about Amir Garrett facing the Pirates. And Amir Garrett is the Reds pitcher. You might remember last year he charged the Pirate dugout. Yeah, fits a cup. In one of <laughs> like everybody. The, yeah, exactly. He wanted to fight them all single-handedly. Those two teams had a bunch of brawls against one another last year. So I've been like kind of half seriously saying, I wonder if anything is going to go down like in the video game 
Uh, Cole Tucker is playing for the Pirates, Amir Garrett for the Reds. So finally, yesterday, uh, they they squared off, and I was ready for it, and I was watching. And sure enough, uh, with Cole Tucker pitching for the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is how the top of the first inning began. First pitch of the end. Bro. Oh! Oh, Tucker, you want to do that? I thought Tucker was a little nut. Oh, Tucker, you need that smoke, bro. You already know what the deal is with me, bro. We coming out there with it. We coming out there with it. Man, somebody go to Tuck Street. Somebody go to Tuck Street and say he ain't built like that. He better, he better, he better pipe all that down. He ain't built like that. Go to his stream right now and say, and say, and he says you're not built like that. So stop even, stop faking it. Tell him to stop faking it. You're not built like that. Tell him to stop doing it. Uh, Tucker apparently was just chuckling. He didn't say anything. He didn't really address it head on. Uh, but very first pitch of the game, he threw up and in. Second pitch of the game, he hit the leadoff man for the Reds. Don, we talk about it all the time on our broadcasts. I mean, you know, baseball players have very long memories. I love that it is now going into the virtual world. As well. Yeah, it's crossed over now, but that's <laughs> the way it's going to go right now. That's the way guys are playing games. But it is interesting that it has crossed over. And uh, But that's something that I, I have never seen that before ever. I mean, I, I've seen it a couple times in the NHL where guys have, uh, you know, taken on entire benches or at least offered at it. I have never seen a guy go off the mound charging over to the other dugout and just basically saying, I want to fight all of you guys. <laughs> Who's next? You know, and that was unbelievable. The one thing that sticks out to me, guys, is that the stock of Amir Garrett goes through the roof, first of all. Oh, yeah. And he's the type of, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's the kind of teammate that you want. Because let's face it, there have been very few times in baseball where you have a fist of cuffs where guys are, it's a, it's, it's a game of twister, quite frankly. Um, even, even the Carlos Quentin, Zach Greinke, it was like a hugging match. I mean, he went out there, he broke his collarbone, whatever. But if you want a piece of a guy, I mean, I mean, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but you know what? If, if two guys want to go at it, have them hurt, have them break a hand, have them have to go on the IL. I mean, if they want to duke it out, go ahead. Like in hockey and you're going to get ejected though and have them duke it out or whatever. But you know, you, most of the time it's like hit him with your purse, right? You want a piece of them, go get them. And Amir Garrett wanted every one of them. It was, I remember we had an off day at home, which is a pretty rare thing. The night that that happened last summer, I remember being out to dinner with my wife talking about a rare thing. And like the TV was over her head, kind of where she was sitting in the restaurant. And I kept looking up and I was like catching bits and pieces of what happened on the highlight shows. I was like, hold on, I got to take out my phone. I'm sorry. It was like our one night out in a three month period, but it was an incredible thing uh, to have witnessed last year. Mud, by the way, talking about being a lover, not a fighter. Your big league debut, no? Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, there were two bench clearings, but no punches were thrown. Just kind of like, <laughs> just kind of guys off the bench and trying to, you know, get in each other's face and say, what are you doing? Oh, we await to you, whatever. Uh, I hit a guy. He kind of looked at me kind of towards the mound. Bench just kind of cleared a little bit. I was like, Oh, Hey, now. And then I came up, I get hit. And then, uh, the bench is cleared again. Joe price was pitching for the reds and just a lot of jawing back and forth. So, you know, no punches were thrown or no, nobody got into a hugging match or anything like that. So. I'm not a proponent of fighting. Yeah, the bench is cleared twice. You, yeah, big debut. Exactly. Now, you got to witness some good ones uh, in the Yankee-Red Sox uh, rivalry, I imagine. Donnie? Oh, did we lose him? Did we lose Donnie? Fewer Dan. All right. You know, just to uh, elaborate on that big league debut in Cincinnati, Jesse, I took the loss that game. It was my major league debut. Went six innings, gave up four runs, took the loss. And my dad met me after the game with my mom, and he put his arm around me. He goes, you know what, Mark? He goes, some guys throw shutouts, their major league debut. Some guys 
you know, get the win, their major league debut. You had two bench clearings. I was like, oh, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you tussled your hair. Yeah. Hey, there he is. There's Donnie. Hey, I'm back. I don't know what happened. It's just uh, they had yeah. enough of me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Technology. Donnie, we Too were much. talking about uh, bench clearings. Any, uh, you've seen any with Boston and uh, the Yankees, of course, right? Yeah, there have been tons over the year. Actually, there were more with the Rays with the Red Sox than there was with the Yankees, actually. over. The, I mean, the most famous one, of course, was the A-Rod-Veritech uh, battle yeah. in 04. A lot of people point to that, to one of the bigger parts of the Red Sox and going on to win the World Series was, you know, as far as regular season games went, that was pretty huge at the time. But it seemed like there were more battles with the Rays over the years in Red Sox in, in my 15 years there than it was with the Red Sox and the Yankees. It always seems to be that way. And James Shields was in the middle of one of those. Uh, with Coco Crisp and some others. So, yeah, there's been some good bouts over the years. You know, a lot of them end up being a lot of guys pushing and shoving and, and uh, things like that. But then they occasionally you do get some good ones. Uh, me, you know, go ahead. No, sorry, I was going to say, let me ask you your approach, like announcer to announcer here, because I've only called one bench-clearing brawl on the radio, uh, and it was Arenado and Perdomo a couple of years yep. ago in Denver. And I, awesome. I, I, like, I knew it was definitely a possibility. So I was mentally ready for it, but I didn't know if I was supposed to like transition into boxing announcer, you know, once it got going, it happened very quickly for me. So like lesson learned for next time, what's your approach as an announcer when that goes down? Uh, my first thing, it's funny. I've said something different every time uh, I go back and sometimes I'll just watch them on YouTube, the different fights over the years that, um, you know, that I've called, but, uh, my favorite is it's time to fight. And then, like, all of a sudden, you see the guy run out there and, and it starts up. But uh, over the years, there have been so many times where, like I said, nothing much happens. And all of a sudden, stuff does happen. It's like the guy's mm-hmm. coming from the outside. All the smack goes. And then all of a sudden, you, then it, it picks up at times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do turn. I kind of transition to uh hockey guy at that point from my AHL experience and all the bouts that I called. I don't generally do a tail of the tape like I used to do in hockey. A lot of times, I drop that right out of the gate. Uh, you know, so this guy's six foot four, 250 against whatever. Uh, you don't have a lot of time for that in the pile. And it's tough to see in baseball, which is a little bit different because they don't actually, yeah. you know, they don't square off. And it's one on one, you know, about you don't get a lot of that. You get piles of things and you try to see stuff, you know, through the video and different camera angles and guys on the ground. And uh, so, yeah, it, it is different. But, I, you know, I, I, I really enjoy it. They're a lot of fun to call. You know, you know what I think is fun? Um when I go on YouTube and watch baseball stuff, I'll, you know, you come across like the baseball brawls over the years. And of course I'm dating myself, but one sticks out. It was at old Comiskey park, Ed farmer, God rest his soul. Uh, we just lost Eddie uh, a couple of weeks ago. He was awesome. By the way, um, he was pitching against the Mariners. Al Cowens hits a routine ground ball to short and the shortstop. I think he was uh Tony Cruz or somebody. He, they show him, he's like double, pumping his glove and he's looking at farmer as soon as Cowens hit the ball to short he went directly to the mound to get ed farmer because they had a history of what i mean he was gonna get thrown out anyway six three he didn't even go to first he hit the ground ball to short directly out to farmer and (laughs) just all of a sudden benches clear and stuff like that there's a lot of good ones cardinals giants back in 1986 whitey herzog and roger craig get into it behind home plate that's a darn good one um but there are so many good ones out there um Don talking about guys squaring up. Yeah, the heavyweight fight with the Padres and Cubs are regularly with Chris Young and Derek Lee. Yes, I was at that one. Yep. That was uh, a good one. Pruszynski and Barrett, right? Pruszynski yeah, a couple of in. Those two. Yep. Uh, was always good. Actually, one of my favorites was 
Uh, it didn't lead to a fight, but it, it was boiling. You talk about we were talking about teammates and how good uh, Mary Garrett becomes in his teammates' eyes. Uh, I go back to Pedro Martinez. The entire series against the Yankees was a typical Red Sox Yankees battle. Uh, the Yankees have been throwing behind the Red Sox the entire series, throwing at him, throwing behind him. Uh, Yuko's got hit like four times in the series, but Pedro was going in the final game of the series, and it was a day game, and I will never forget it. The Yankees' top two hitters were Jeter and Soriano, and he hit them both to start. I don't know how. He didn't get warned. He didn't get ejected. Nothing. Hit them both. They both had to leave the game, but that was it. It was like, okay, we're good. You know, it's we're all set now. It wasn't like there was no fight, but it still was just one of the, the best things I've ever seen a teammate do because mm-hmm. they knew Pedro was going in that final game and he was going to take care of stuff, and he did. <laughs> and he you didn't know, have to hit, right? Up. No, he didn't have to hit. You're in the, the American front. League. Even yeah. better. And he's throwing, you know, up by your noggin. Yeah, and don't forget the 1984 fight, Braves-Padres at Fulton County Stadium, probably one of the best ones ever. Yeah. Well, it was ones, it was twos, it was threes. It kept going and going the entire afternoon. That's what makes wow. it so remarkable. Yeah. Uh, good question here. Uh, Mud, you're probably best position to answer this that came in from Bruce. I, I mean, I think we all know the answer, but it is kind of a funny question. He wants to know, you know, why do the relief pitchers run in from the bullpen when they're right next to each other in the outfield? They could just go at it right there. Good question. Uh, you know, that question sparks a memory. We had a bench clearing brawl at Shea Stadium. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm starting to hyperventilate just thinking about it. Uh, so... Mets were winning big. Our pitcher, Mike, I think it was Mike Dunn or Greg Harris, was behind 3-0. They swung 3-0. They had the green light. Jawing ensued. Benches cleared. At Shea Stadium, you remember the big pipes that they did to close a door? Like they would weld pipes together with a handle. You got it and then slide it. I brought up that big piece of the pipe, and it pinched my, my hand and blistered immediately. You know, did you ever get one of those blood blisters? So anyway, running out to the field. And we're meeting at the mound. Everybody's just all over the place. I mean, it's a yard sale out there. I look up, and Daryl Strawberry, who's probably one of the strongest guys ever that I faced, he had Greg Harris in a headlock, and Greg Harris's face was as red as this pen. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Harry's going to die right before our eyes because (laughs) of the stronghold, (laughs) chokehold that Straw has on Greg Harris. I mean, Daryl Strawberry is a guy that I would not want to mess with. So, like I said, you know, in, in situations like that, it's like you want to just get guys off. I do have one other quick story. Seattle yeah. Kingdom, Kerry Woodson, not Kerry Wood, Kerry Woodson hits uh, Luis Polonia, Angels, bench is clear. I'm out there trying to grab people off, and I kind of fall to my knees, and I kind of get in the scrum a little bit. All of a sudden, somebody grabs me by the shoulders and, and starts to rip me off, and I hear in my ear, he goes, Mudcat, get off. You're going to hurt your shoulder again. Get out of here. And I turn around. It was Chuck Finley. He knew they had shoulder surgery the last year, and he wanted me to get out of there because he didn't want me to hurt my shoulder again. So here's a guy from another team trying to help me out so I don't hurt my wing. I thought that That's was a good pretty, story. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Hey, I, I just had this passed to me by an assistant hey. here. Oh, at, that's uh, great. Or still at headquarters. This is the shot we were talking to make sure so it doesn't get the glare there. Yeah. Uh, that was when I was an intern with Vin, and uh, he was coming in with NBC's Game of the Week. And uh, yeah, he's. I got it going on there well, a little hold bit. It up, what hold do you it think, up, Donnie? I got straight, the chest moss. Huh? Hold it up straight. It, it'll do that though. Yeah, if closer, I, if, if I go closer, straight, closer. It'll, the glare will go away. Uh, hey, you were right. Vin hasn't changed at all. No, he hasn't. No, Look, so, at that. so that's there I am. Awesome. Look at the chest moss I got going there. Donnie looking solid. Yeah. Look at the how much hair do I have and thin face? Yeah. What Probably happened? Right? Horrible. Horrible. Wow. I don't even want to show you the one that was 
2016. I, I really two, had I just on. think this one's good enough. I think that's good. No, I want to see it. Ah, uh, here we go. You're looking good. It looked like I ate my partner before I went in there. <laughs> Storing nuts for the winter, right? In your in your yeah. uh, world. I got fish in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's it awesome, the dude. So there's that's the, the really two cool. picks. Yeah. That's so, really but cool. I'd rather just have this one. We'll just yeah, hold yeah. on to this one and put this one up in the back. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good. You got a whole production staff there. I'm impressed. They're I really do. Good. I have. Yeah, we're still headquarters. We're filled with people here. It's unbelievable. But uh, yes, as long as you, you got a trailer, do you have a trailer you go to and sit in before you come on the air? I do. Yes, it's a, it's kind of a green room, but I get ready. It's where I prepare. Uh, shrimp cocktail. Yeah, shrimp cocktail. Yes, beef jerky. Doers. <laughs> no, not before a show. Oh, come on. Never before a show. Uh, this whole conversation somehow began with uh, Amir Garrett, and we're talking video games. Uh, Fernando <laughs> Tatis Jr. was also in action last night. Uh, he wasn't throwing at anybody he didn't need to, but he did, check this out, hit a home run as himself again. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> well hit into deep left center. <laughs> I don't think this one's coming back. No sir. Santa Maria! Niño! <laughs> Niño! Uh, how could like he makes me smile so much? I, I'm almost embarrassed. Yep. Uh, little Matty V there, uh, Santa Maria from the game. Yeah, I caught that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that kid, Tatis Jr. Man, he's you know what? He's the whole package. Great personality, likes to have fun, can do it on the field, offensively, defensively. We're lucky here in San Diego, aren't we, Donnie? Certainly are. You know, that's one of the more disappointing things about this year and not and not playing games right now. I was so much looking forward to him this year, you know, being healthy, being back in his second season, knowing what to expect this year. Uh, last year, everything was so new for him, but I mean, he, he did so well with it. But I just I can only imagine with him being comfortable coming into this year, what that was going to be like. So, uh, yeah, certainly miss watching him every day. Yeah, it's top of my list. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He also, by the way, hit an inside the park home run with Tommy Pham. Good highlight. I believe just finished his game. Let me check. Get there! No! 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 Oh no! It's gonna roll all the way to the wall. It's a ball! It's a ball! Oh no! Oh no! Oh, Brett Phillips! Oh, Brett Phillips! Wow! Why are you saying my name? Why are you saying my name? What is happening? Uh, the fielding glitch. It's caught a few of these guys. I think the outfield defense maybe is a little bit trickier than it looks like. Uh, Keystone Cops action right there. Fernando is uh, coming up back in action uh, on the Players League. By the way, they are now going to start televising some of these games. So if you haven't been able to catch them on Twitch, uh, Fernando is twitch.tv slash ftatis. Uh, then uh, you'll be able to see some of the games, including, I believe, the entire playoff uh, on uh, ESPN and MLB Network, FS1. They're kind of spreading them around. So check your local listings. But uh, Fernando is, is doing very, very well, and he is set up to make a run in the postseason of the Players League MLB The Show 20, having some fun with that. Uh, Dad, by the way, th this is his day, Fernando Tatis Sr., uh, one of the most famous moments or accomplishments, I guess, in Major League history, the only time it's ever happened. We've all seen the highlight a thousand times, but it was on this date in 1999 at Dodger Stadium uh, when Fernando Tatis Sr., hit not one but two grand slams against Chanho Park in the very same inning. Power against power here. Park is set. He kicks and delivers. That's ball and it's a grand slam. Woo! We see who powered that one. 
A grand slam home run, and the Cardinals lead it four to two. That went over the bullpen. Tatis could make it an 11 run inning here in the third. Cardinals have already scored seven. In the pitch, the runners go 3 2 to T. Swing and a long one. There it is, folks. Baseball history. A second Grand Slam home run for Fernando Tatis in the third inning in Los Angeles, California. And the Cardinals lead it to 11 to 2. Wow. One of those things as announcers we probably say more often than we should is this is a record that will never be broken. But, Don, I have a very hard time imagining anyone ever hitting three grand slams in the same inning, particularly against the same pitcher. No, I, w- I would say that's going to be real. I saw today the odds are it was 12 million to one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's unbelievable to even think that that happened. So uh, I'd say that's pretty safe. I think he's in pretty good company right there with himself. <laughs> I got a couple things that are amazing, and I, I looked that game up. I looked at the play-by-play. He faced 13 hitters in that inning. First of all, what are the – Why is he still in the game? Why? Exactly. That's my next question. <laughs> the, the bullpen must have been spent. I didn't do any research games before that as far as who was you know used or whatever or an extra inning game or whatever. But what in the heck is Chan Ho Park doing in this ball game? It, it's a 13 hit, – base hit, hit batsman, base hit, home run. Ground out, home run. Eli Marrero hit a home run that inning. Walk, walk, fielder's choice, error, base hit, fly ball, home run again, Tatis. After all said and done, thirty, you know, after Tatis hit that second grand slam, uh, somebody made an out to end that inning. But my goodness, Donnie, good call. What is he doing in there? Uh, you know, I called uh, Bill Miller had two grand slams in a game, and I thought that was pretty amazing. He, now he has the record uh, for both sides of the plate. He hit one right-handed, one left-handed. Uh, but had two grand slams in the game. I thought that was amazing. I'd never see that again. But this in the same inning, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like you said, Chan Ho wearing it. And I, I liked always uh, the Mark McGuire aspect of that, too. Like he was almost like, I can't believe this guy just did that. You know, and when talking about Big Mac and home runs, he had accomplished pretty much everything else. So that was uh, this date in baseball history. And obviously now with Fernando Tatis Jr. part of the Padres, it feels uh, even more special, I think, uh, to all of us. Uh, off baseball for a moment. Don't worry. No NFL draft coverage uh, here today. Uh, but uh, we're all starved for sports, right? I mean, that's why we're doing this show, trying to bring some normalcy. And the golf world is trying to contribute. Uh, this one could end up being uh, interesting and kind of fun. Uh, they're trying to do a charity uh, two-on-two golf tournament, perhaps later this month in Florida. They're still waiting on everybody to sign off and, and for it to be okayed by uh, local authorities and everything like that and by the PGA. But you've got Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning teaming up against Phil Mickelson uh, of San Diego and Tom Brady. Uh, and it'll be on television raising money for COVID-19 relief. Uh, Don, I guess uh, you've got the closest connection of any of us to any of these guys. I've <laughs> met Peyton. Uh, I've interviewed Tiger in a group setting. That's all I got. But you've been around Tom Brady. Who you got in this one, uh, uh, I, you know what? I think I'm going, this is not going to go over well, probably, but I, I'm, I'm going the other way. I'm thinking the other side, Tiger and Peyton. I, I think those guys uh, have just played more golf. I think, you know, I don't know how good a golfer Tom Brady really is. So I, I, I'm really going on the other side. That's my initial pick. I'm going that way as well. In fact, when we were looking at that graphic, I think, who would I, you know, Tiger? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even though at the age he is, but he's uh, been turning around. Uh, no question about it. So I'm going that way as well. Well, I'll take your word for it, Mud. You're the golf expert with the shirt. So yeah, yeah. Master's you have the matching hat for that shirt, by the way. Either. Sorry. Do you have the matching hat? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> this is for Don. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes I wear, I, I like the, I like this, like the flap up in the back. It looks great. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Let's go to 18. Did you pay for that? Because I know you didn't pay for the shirt. I know where no, you got I the shirt. Pay, I didn't pay for either one. You didn't pay for anything. You don't pay for anything. It's unbelievable. Sorry about it. Dude, new bone to pick here. Uh, Brady might not be the better we golfer. That but shirt, very good. Whatever it was, it cost. It we was did. way too much. You were with me when I got the shirt, by the way. Oh, is that the uh, one in Arizona? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's Quad X you were looking at. That's a 2X. Quad X. Yeah, as far as we know. I don't. I almost want to ask what size shirt nineteen year old Don wore, but I won't. I won't do. That. Uh, I don't know. It's so sad. Oh, Don's looking good, looking svelte. It's looking so sad. I mean, look at this guy. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. Nineteen ninety one. You said wow. <laughs> that's uh, a that medium, was that's a medium polo no. you're wearing. That's the last time that ever happened. I don't know. Fantastic. It's a great picture. Yeah, that's uh, a really, really good picture. It's really sad. Brady might not be the best golfer, but he, he probably is the best social media team of any of those guys. He put this stuff together. They, they photoshopped it, which was pretty solid. So that's Mickelson and Brady lording over little Peyton and, <laughs> and little Tiger. <laughs> very small. Oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> Look at Peyton. He wants to fight. He still has that mark on his forehead from the helmet all those years. <laughs> that won't go. It never away. goes away. They don't tell never. you. <laughs> yeah, they don't tell you that. Uh, oh, funny. I, I want to skip ahead a little bit. Flops. That's sweet. That wouldn't go over well at the at the club. I don't think. No, it wouldn't. The, sh- the shorts and the flip flops is very funny. <laughs> uh, all right, I want to skip ahead a little bit. We're going to hear from from Brian Dozier here. Uh, we're going to have Andy Ashby in a little bit. Mud and I had the opportunity to talk to him this afternoon. Obviously, about everything 1998, he starts game one of the National League Championship Series, uh, which is later this evening on Fox Sports San Diego. We'll talk more uh, with Don and Mud about their virtual telecast coming up tomorrow. Uh, Padres hit the road for the first time. Uh, they go to Atlanta, Truist Park, uh, the new name of that place, as uh, the Padres and the Braves lock horns. You can watch that one uh, tomorrow night at 5.30. But uh, Brian Dozier well, came to camp about a week in, I think, if memory serves, uh, signed by the Padres after winning a World Series with the Nationals a season ago. Uh, didn't really get the opportunity to spend much time with him in Peoria because he was catching up, you know, coming in a little bit late, just trying to get his feet wet. And then, of course, uh, we all left. So very appreciative uh, he was able to sit down and take a few minutes for us here today. <laughs> All right, Brian, it's uh, been a, a few weeks now, maybe over a month, I don't know, since we last saw you, which is pretty crazy. You see somebody every day during the baseball season, even if it is spring training, and then all of a sudden, uh, poof, and gone. Uh, how was spring training going for you? I know it probably feels like a long time ago, but uh, your, your first few weeks, whatever it was, in a Padre uniform. Yeah, it was good. Uh, you know, I was late to the party uh, about a week, and that was kind of uh, that was kind of the setback as far as I had to hurry up and ramp up. and. And then uh, I guess now it really doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, it was good. Spring training was going great. Uh, getting, uh, getting the feel for all the guys. Uh, it was good. My first Arizona spring training. Uh, I spent 10 years in Florida. So uh, very different, but uh, it was good. Nice and convenient, at least as far as the travel goes, although that probably impacts the younger guys, maybe more than the veterans when you talk about Florida. But uh, what do you make of the clubhouse and the guys? Obviously, you've been around, you know a lot of these guys in the same division with Hosmer for a very long time. 
uh, in the Kansas City and Minnesota days. Uh, but give us a sense of your sense of this clubhouse. Yeah, I've had uh, you know a few teammates um, that uh, you know kept saying that you know the Padres was such a young organization and coming over and all this kind of stuff and the talk in the off season and where to go and, and you know once you get there once you kind of go through the roster it was uh, it's it's a good group uh, a lot of veterans mixed with a lot of young guys a lot of great young talent so it's just not it's not so much just young 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 and uh, you mentioned Hosmer playing against him and. Uh, for about six or seven years in Kansas City, and then uh, being teammates with Manny and uh, a lot of other guys facing Stammen a, a ton and Drew and uh, just a lot of guys, a good mix uh, in the clubhouse of some veteran leadership as well as some exceptional young talent that uh, I can go on and on about those guys. So it, uh, it was pretty good. You're doing your version of Mr. October last couple of years, appearing in each of the last two World Series. Uh, representing the National League, winning, of course, last year with Washington. First of all, congratulations. I probably should have led with that. Uh, but, but what was that like after all the, the twists and turns that every major league career has to kind of reach that summit in 2019? Yeah, I'm telling you, with, uh, you know, I spent my first five or six years in Minnesota not making the playoffs. And in 17, we finally did just a wild card game and then getting traded in 18 and and being able to uh, to actually go deep in the postseason and look up, we're in the World Series. and um, unfortunately we lost in 18, but, uh, then signed a one-year deal with the nationals, uh, fulfilled a dream. It was pretty cool. Uh, it, it really sucked going there in 18 and, and not going all that way and a month of the all season, all that kind of stuff. And you get so close and not, but so last year, uh, doing all that was, uh, it was awesome. The group of guys we had last year was unbelievable. And you guys did a Zoom uh, call. Oh, yeah, we did a Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like you're having some fun. Well, I'm telling you, we were the oldest team in baseball by like two or three years. Uh, just a bunch of veterans on the team that, that knew how to have fun, number one, and knew how to win baseball games. It was unbelievable. We were a very, very fun team. And I think uh, the Zoom call, you only got to see a little glimpse of that, uh, to say the least. So, yeah, we had fun. I, I remember last season when the Padres and the Nationals faced off earlier in the year. It was before things turned around mm -hmm. for the Nationals. And it was one of those where we were all kind of scratching our heads like, you know, I, I would think this team is better. You look at them on paper and you look at everybody they had. What was it like and, and maybe how much did that veteran presence help to kind of dig a little bit of a hole, but stay kind of even keeled and, and be able to pull out of it? Yeah, it was it was it was rather unique because I think at the end of May we were 17 and 40 or something like that. Uh, and it was crazy because you look up, I think half our games we lost by, by one run. And I think if you didn't have – that veteran uh, presence in the locker room like we had, it would be like, uh, Waddle and Seth Pity and all, oh, what was me? And uh, let's just hope, you know, all this kind of stuff. But you look around and everyone, they wrote articles every day about how, like, why, why aren't they mad? Why aren't they? It was just like, the, yeah, we'll get the job done. We'll, we'll get it rolling. And we end up did. And uh, it, it was an unbelievable experience of going from one of the worst teams in baseball. And finally, everything's starting to fall our way. And, and the rest is kind of history. So. Yeah, it very much is. What, what what did you learn the last two years participating in the World Series, winning one that you couldn't possibly have known before having those experiences? I'm going to tell you, attention to detail and the little things add up so much. Uh, I got a glimpse of it the past couple of years. And I'm not saying you go through the motions by any means during the regular season, but you just come out and play and you do your job and that kind of thing. But uh, <clears throat> I wish everyone could experience a World Series or just really going deep into the playoffs. But specifically the world series of how how every single thing is important every every pitch and everything everyone's so locked in and such energy focused 
on the little things, not the big homers and all that kind of stuff, but just throwing the ball over the plate, keeping runners um, out of scoring position and throwing the right bases, just little bitty things that, uh, that sometimes in the long season of 162 kind of get overshadowed. But that's what wins your championships, and we had a good group that did it. You and Tommy Pham, both from the Padres, uh, partnering with the uh, kids, uh, Teammates for Kids Foundation, donating $20,000 to the San Diego Food Bank uh, during this uh, COVID crisis. First of all, thank you. Second of all, I feel like that's even a little bit more remarkable, considering neither you nor Tommy Pham has played an actual game as, as a Padre yet. Uh, tells us a lot, I, I think, about the kind of guys that you both are. So thank you from everybody here in San Diego. Yeah, very welcome. Absolutely. Very nice. Um, it's amazing, as I was kind of reading about that donation and some of the things you had to say about it, one dollar can go an awful long way, and there's twenty thousand of those being put down here. Yeah, you know it's unbelievable. Uh, you know we think of you know meals being, uh, let's go out and get a steak or twenty dollars or something, but one dollar goes so far. Uh, Garth Brooks and Big League Impact teamed up last year, and uh, Garth's such a big baseball fan and wanted to do it to feed uh, kids in every uh, every big league city. It's unbelievable turnout last year, and how much money right at a million dollars. And it's usually for around July and August, but uh, we all got together and said, hey, let's let's go ahead and do it uh, uh, through this uh, crisis that we're going through. Uh, raise a bunch of money, going to continue to raise some. Uh, San Diego Food Bank uh, is going to do an exceptional job distributing that stuff. But a dollar goes a long way. Sometimes you don't think it does, but it can feed a lot of people, and uh, which is a beautiful thing. It really is. Thank you again uh, from everybody here in the San Diego area. And we hope to have you back in the San Diego area sooner rather than later to play some baseball and put that uniform on. Uh, Brian Dozer, World Series champion and uh, Padre infielder. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, glad to hear your family is doing well so far and, and hang in there. Uh, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, Brian Dozer, World Series champion with the Nationals last year, made it with the Dodgers the previous season and hooked on with the Padres this spring. Bring Don and Mud back in here now. And, and Don, you know, he's one of those guys, I, I like them, guys that have that postseason experience, guys who have gotten to the mountaintop, you know, a veteran person at a position of need. You can kind of fill in, figure out a role for them. It, it seems like all the really, really good teams have a guy or two like Brian Dozier. Yeah, fairly uh, into spring training, a week, uh, 10 days in, which was kind of weird. But with position players, you can get him ready much quicker. He would have been OK, would have been fine to go, uh, as it turns out. But it, what a great addition. I think he is a huge addition to this club. And, yeah, you can stick him in some spots. Uh, and and you talked to, earlier, we were talking about character and having character guys uh, who have been there, done that in the postseason. This is one of those guys. And, and don't forget, this guy had some pop at one point, too. 42 home runs with the Minnesota Twins, uh, leading virtually all second basemen in the majors in that category at one point. I'm not saying he's going to do that at this stage of his career, but I think he is a great get. I think it's a great sign that can go only help the Padres. Uh, he realizes what the grind is, winning a World Series from spring training all the way through October. I think that goes a long way to – over the course of a season, if your team is in it, and you've been in that scenario to where the younger guys on the team, hey, let's go. we got to keep pushing to have a guy like that. Um, you know what you're going to get from Brian Dozier. He's not going to complain. And as Don and Jesse mentioned, you can put him pretty much anywhere, and he's going to want to do a great job. He's probably not going to win a gold glove or anything like that, but he's going to play solid defense for you and do some things. And, and just to expand what he said about with the Nationals, I'll tell you what. With what the season that the Nationals had last year, I will never say never again for any team. I know they had a lot of variables. They had a lot of, you know, they had some really good talent that wasn't producing at certain times. But, guys, I'd, I'd like your input. Um, when we were there, the ERA for the Nationals had a 70 ERA in the bullpen. I mean, yeah. come on. 
Um, they were 19 and 31, I think, at one point, and they had a horrible season. They had a decent season, and then they kicked it in, and the timing was everything leading them to the World Series. So that's why I don't I don't care if a team's 16 games out, whatever the case may be, I will never say never, ever again. We were there in May. I went back in June, and when I was there during that series, there was all kinds of stuff in the paper about Dave Martinez being fired. They wanted him out of there. And to think where they ended up, and as you mentioned, their ERA over seven in the bullpen. The bullpen was dreadful at one point. Yeah. They, they went from being the worst team in Major League Baseball to obviously the best team in Major League Baseball at the right time. But to me, it was an amazing story. It really was. It was a fun thing to watch last year. That Zoom call, by the way, that I referenced, uh, you can find the clip online at, at one point, you know, it's like full Brady bunch. There's like, you know, 15, 20 guys from last year's national teams on there. And Dozier holds up a trash can, starts banging. <laughs> it was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, so that's that. All right, we begin now the uh, international portion of our show as we uh, push forward here. First, we check in at South Korea. Uh, guys, I don't know if you've been following the show uh, closely on the days you're not on. I doubt it. Uh, certainly wouldn't be offended by that. But we have uh, gotten very into the KBO, the Korean League, which will uh, kick off in earnest on May 5th. And we are adopting here on Padres Social Hour, KT Wiz. Uh, they are the newest team in the KBO. Uh, Odrisamer Despagne is on their roster for the oh. first time this year. They went 500 for the very first time a season ago. So we're hoping they're on the ascent. So we're going to follow KT Wiz pretty closely. Uh, they had a 10-3 win in the preseason yesterday over the LG Twins. Uh, so we're excited about that. And we feel like, like things might be fine. That's exciting news. Uh, how closely are you really following these guys? I mean, are you staying? I mean, watching players individually. What, what are you doing here to follow this? I mean, where are well, you I watching think, this? To? Yeah, I think once the season begins, we'll do like a daily thirty-second update on the on KT Wiz. Are you going to be Are you going to be keeping score, Jesse, and everything in your scorebook? It might get to that point. Let's be real. Hey, baseball, how did you pick baseball, the right? uh, KT Wiz exactly? What, what What was that? Because they're new. Uh, yeah, because we just kind of looked at it. We said, well, we don't want one of the dynasty teams. That's lazy, you know, to choose. Uh, we, we looked at like the last couple teams. Uh, for me, it came down to NC Dinos or KT Wiz. I liked both names a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Despagne was the tiebreaker. What's the what's the company that, you know, did you do any research on that, Jesse, as far as a lot, of, no, I don't, a lot of corporations own those teams and they, you know. Yeah, KT is the company. I don't know anything about them. Okay. I haven't gotten there. But LG Twins, I know LG is like, you know, the TVs. You know what? In baseball fans, like I said, baseball's baseball, no matter if it's minor league, whatever. You know, when, when everything gets back to normal, if people have the wherewithal to um, travel and go to, whether it's Japan, Korea, Taiwan, go to a game over there. Don, you, you've, uh, you've been over there, right, with the Red Sox to the yes, big so end, Tokyo. right? Tokyo, right? Yes, the Tokyo Dome itself. And uh, unbelievable. We talked about it last week. I mean, it's just so different. The atmosphere there when you go and they have different sections that root for different players. And uh, when that player is up, they all stand up or they play music. It's, it's just so different. But it's so cool to see the game, you know, in between the lines as far as baseball goes being the same. But the atmosphere and the way they treat the game much different. Yeah, really cool. So we'll be uh, we'll be following KT Wiz. Hopefully uh, everybody in the uh, KBO stays healthy and they're able to have their whole season. Oh. We'll dive. We'll have a guest at some point. I'm telling you, I can see it already. KT, I want to look up their. Uh, I want to see what their costumes look like. Uh, black, white, red are the colors. Oh, uh, they have these little wizard sweet. mascot guys. You know what? It's almost like a Houston Texans logo. Yeah, a little bit. It's wizard hats, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Suwon. Yeah, that's the logo. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a very cool logo. 
I love that. No, well, I'm glad you're on board. I think you got a new fan, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh yeah. So they're they're like the the youngest team in the league. The league itself is pretty young. Uh, but they went 500 for the first time last year. So we're on the rise. Nobody beats the Wiz. You know that. That's um, right. the, the other- uh, Wiz! I'm the Wiz! Nobody beats the Wiz! <laughs> Seinfeld. Uh, there you go. Uh, thank you, Geekster. KT is the largest telecom company in South Korea. There you thank go. you, Geekster. Yeah. Big time. Uh, and where they're located, by the way, I believe uh, the city, which is on the logo there, Suwon, I think, is the capital city of the province that Seoul is in. So it's mm. like 30 miles south of Seoul. Nice. I love now you know. Geography. Now you know. All right. Uh, the other piece of international news today comes from Italy. I thought this was actually really, really cool and nice. Uh, obviously, that country has had a just horrific experience with this virus. Uh, one of the big soccer teams there, a second division team that has spent some time in the first division. Uh, it's an Italian. I won't translate it word for word for you, but uh, they, they held a competition for kids uh, in their area to design their uniforms for next season. You know, kids are at home, obviously, nothing to do, just trying to keep everybody happy. And six-year-old Luigi uh, won the competition. You see his crayon uh, created design on the left, and then that's what it's going to look like as a uniform. So when they're able to play again next year, uh, that's the uniform that they will wear uh, designed by the six-year-old. They're, uh, it's, it's a town on the Adriatic, uh, Pescara Calcio. Don, you can correct my pronunciation. That was pretty good. Thank you. Uh, so that, I, I thought that was just really, really special. That's awesome. That's a good looking that. uni. <laughs> That's really good looking. I love that. Almost like Flipper. I remember, you know, I'm dating myself, but Flipper and then bouncing the uh, the soccer ball around. That's that's great. Nice job. I like job, the colors, too. I like the yeah. colors. Nice, nice job, Luigi. Very nice. Six-year-old Luigi. And, uh, boy, that's, uh, that's a feel-good coming from Italy. And uh, as everybody knows, that uh, country's been ravaged by this virus uh, more than pretty much everywhere else, I guess. So very happy to see that. All right. 1998 has been the theme of the week. And our final interview of the week is the guy who starts game one of the National League Championship Series, which airs tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. Andy Ashby, Mud and I had the opportunity to chat with him today. having a lot of fun this week looking back at 1998 game one of the national league championship series airs tonight on fox sports san diego starting pitcher who was a stud that night for the padres andy ashby is with us uh ash was it one of those where like it felt good in the pen or did you have to wait and see once you got out there i think it's one of those things where if you get too confident coming out of the pen you're in trouble i think until you get between the lines and realize what's going on uh kind of you know the first inning kind of see what what's working, what's not, not working, but you know what? I just want to go out and give us a chance to win and what a team we had that year and great bunch of guys. I'm just glad I could be a part of it. Andy, with the crowd and the electricity that you witnessed at Qualcomm stadium that year, um, this is a two part question, really. Some guys, it bothers them. Some guys, they say they can hear it. Other guys say they have blinders on and they just focus and they can't hear anything. What's, in the ears, in the mind of Andy Ashby when you're pitching in front of 60,000-plus people? I think the main thing is with me, if I heard the crowd, I was not locked in on my job. I think once I heard people chirping or you know yelling, I mean, I got used to that in Philadelphia a lot. So <laughs> um, I think if I was hearing the outside crowd, then I wasn't locked in on my job. So you know, I had to kind of step back and say, hey, you need to get locked in and figure out what you got to do to give your team a chance to win. So you know, there's days where you don't have it. I mean, there's days where it doesn't, 
you know, flush out as easy as some days. So, you know, it's just a matter of learning how to go out there and compete and give your club a chance to win without your best stuff. And a lot of it has to do with concentration and believing in what you're doing. Last night, it was so fun watching that postgame celebration after the clincher against the Astros. Obviously, it was a confident team. It was such a good team. A lot of wins during the regular season. What was the confidence level like going into the Brave series, knowing you're facing, you know, this kind of budding dynasty in Atlanta? I think we had confidence throughout the whole year. I think we we never say die. Um, I think it was built up from 96 to 98. I mean, we added a lot of great pieces, John Morris and Lakino and Kevin Towers. The whole group did an unbelievable job. And when 98 rolled around, it was like, you know what? This is a special group. And I heard Bochy say it earlier. I was actually watching the game. But when you get a group together like that, you go into spring training every year thinking you're going to win the World Series. You go to the playoffs and go to the World Series. But 1998, we had – there was a different feel when we walked into spring training. And um, it was a special group, and we knew that, and we took advantage of it. We had some ups and downs, but – I think the main thing is we adjusted to all the injuries. You know, we had some bad luck and we never, we never backed down. If we were down five runs, we knew we'd come back and score six. And that was kind of the attitude of the whole team throughout that whole year. And it was a special group and it was, you know, from top to bottom. And you know what, you make a good point because being down six or seven, remember that game you were down by seven and the night you guys clinched against the Dodgers. That's the way it was the whole year, though. I mean, nobody, I mean, everybody had a job to do, and there was nobody that ever thought they weren't going to be the guy. They wanted to be the guy that got that base hit or got on base and walked in a big situation and hit, had the big hit. And I think the pitching staff knew the bullpen was good. If we went out and gave them a chance to win, they were going to do it. So it was a very special year. And I look back on the way the fans contributed. I mean, it was awesome. And, you know, to bring it up and still see it on TV and to go through the memories. And I, it's like you turn the TV on and you remember every play that happens. It's uh, it's pretty special and pretty cool. It's really neat to hear, too, that you're going along and kind of experiencing it again the way all of us are watching at home. That's even more special, I think, for a lot of fans. All right. Uh, to the present now, saw you in Peoria uh, quite a bit this spring back when baseball was a thing in 2020. Uh, what, what did you like? What did you see from this uh, Padre pitching staff? You know, I really loved, I mean, the, the kids are young, but they're mature now. I think, uh, you know, the Casey and, you know, um, Quantrill and all the younger guys that are there. Now you have Richards coming back. If he stays healthy, I think it's a, a really, really positive team. I love Tingle. I think he's a great, has great atmosphere. I think he's very energetic. The, pit, the uh, you know, Rothschild as a pitching coach is, you know, just being around him for a couple of weeks is his knowledge and everything. As long as you've been in the game is really, really special. So I just think the main thing is for them is go out and believe in what they're doing. I mean, they need to go out and pitch innings. You know, if this thing starts back up, hopefully here before long and they can go out and start playing games. But the main thing I think for this team and this pitching staff mainly is to go out and pitch. I mean, there's some veteran guys they are, you know, Stamen and them they're, those are the guys they need around Richards and that, but they are coming into their own. And I think the way they get better is to go out and throw innings and, you know, get in that situation where it's the seventh inning, you're down two to one or up two to one, you know, make pitches and see what the guy can do. 
And I think these guys are at that level where they can continue to get better and go out and, you know, give this club a chance to win. Ash, you made a point that I want to touch upon. You, because I remember you were with the Phillies, with the Rockies, and then uh, come to the Padres. And what was it? When was it? Who was it that kind of helped you turn the corner a little bit? Because that's kind of like what these guys are now with the Padres, young guys. And they could possibly have a guy like a Garrett Richards or a veteran pitcher to help them. I know it's three parts, you know, the who, what, why, where, when. But what? when did it all come in for, to fruition for you? You know, but, we were playing St. Louis. I'm sorry, Mo, but I didn't no, mean to interrupt you. But we were playing the Cardinals, and it was probably my second or third, probably my third third year, and we were playing the Cardinals. And I remember Bob Tewksbury came up to me after the game, and he's like, I saw him in the tunnel or somewhere in the stadium. And he's like, you know what? You need to trust what you're doing. He said, you have great stuff. He said, but you don't trust it. You need to believe in what you do when you go out there on the mound. You need to believe that you're going to get these guys out. You have the stuff to do it, but you doubt it. And I'm thinking, holy cow, this is Bob Tewksbury telling me this. You know, he's been in the game for like five years prior to when he's talking to me. And, you know, I, I went out and I'd heard it before. And I'm like, you try and tell yourself that, but when a veteran guy is saying that to you, it means a lot. And thank God I took it in and you know, went out and had some success and started believing in it. But I think the success part of it is 95% of it, but you got to believe in yourself. You got to trust what you're doing and thank God that it worked out because mm -hmm. I have had so many great memories and I am so fortunate to talk to you all and the people that we've met, the guys that we played with, Mud, you know, I mean, it's a special group. And I thank God every day for the opportunity to go out there and be with those guys every day and, you know, still to talk to them and be out, you know, with them playing golf or whatever. It's, it's really, really special. Uh, before we let Andy ask, we go one more and talk about leadership there. And it can come obviously from a coach, a teammate, uh, a veteran presence, uh, something like that, a former player like yourself being around some of these guys. What about uh, Mark Grant, fantasy camp manager when it comes to leadership? What was your, what was your takeaway of seeing that whole thing firsthand? Well, you know what? I can't dog my future. You can be honest. Well, my earlier coach from last year, year before last. But, you know, I think he, the first game was funny because he started banging on the trash can when the first game started. So it was actually kind of funny. But you know what? What a great time that fantasy yeah. camp is. And Mark and I, I mean, been very fortunate to go down there two years in a row. And the, the fan, I mean, the people that come there, they're serious. They want to win. They want oh, yeah. to get, you know, the experience. But, to have Mud next to you or on the other side of the field, he has no fun at all. It's always serious, you know. So, um, you know, I, I try and get serious too, but you know, Mud, Mud's the best. I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta tell this story. Ash managed two years ago. I was his coach. <laughs> we had a woman on our team, uh, Jesse Beckendahl, yeah. kindergarten teacher, gamer, real scrapper, total gamer, good athlete. <laughs> I mean, she wanted to try so hard. She did try so hard. Wanted to produce. <laughs> Just whatever. So she's a left field, routine fly ball. She boxed it big time. So I go, Ash, just follow my lead. Come on. You know, let's, he goes, oh, we got to get all over. So we go back out in front of our dugout, take off our hats, throw them on the ground, and look at her. What are you doing out there? Are you can't get way out. <laughs> she's like, oh, I know, coach. She came in after the end. Oh, I know, coach. I should have had that one. You're darn right you should have. <laughs> yeah, we had an absolute blast, but it. I mean, like I said, to work with Randy and Mark and all the coaches and everybody while he was there this year, last this past year, I mean, 
what they do to come down there and spend five or six days is really special. I, I love it. I and to hang out with Mud and them and get crazy and have fun. It's uh, I enjoy every minute of it. I can't wait till this year. Yeah, uh, great stuff, uh, Andy Ashley. Game one of the NLCS against the Braves tonight on Fox Sports San Diego. I won't give out the uh, full spoilers, but Ash uh, pitches his butt off, and it, it goes very well for the Padres. You wanna you wanna check that out. Certainly, I'm glad to hear family's doing well. Hope that continues to be the case. Certainly, uh, great to see you, man. Thank you, Ash. Thanks a lot. You guys, thank you. Love San Diego. Andy Ashby, great to see him, great to hear from him, and uh, thank him for his time. One more fun thing before we get out of here on this Thursday with Don and Mud. Uh, on this date, 1994, of course, the season that could have been for Tony Gwynn as he chased down that 400 batting average. Well, he certainly helped himself on this day in 1994. And here's perhaps the, the most popular padre of all time, Tony Gwynn, stepping in. A check of Shipley. Here comes the right-hander. Ground ball through the middle into center field. That's a base hit. Padre runners take their lead. Strike one pitch. is a ground ball to the hole right side, and it goes through. Base hit, Tony Gwynn. Well, they're already. The big guy delivers to Gwynn, and it's a high fly ball. Right center field hit well. On the move is Chamberlain. Way back to the warning track. He's not going to get it. The ball goes to the wall. Gwynn round second. He trips and will have to hold on at second base. Hit 520 more. There's a drive to right field. Hit pretty well. Back goes Chamberlain. It's gone. A home run for Gwynn. And he's a triple away from the cycle. The pitch. Line drive in the left center field. Base hit. He's five for five. Incavilia over to get it and returns it to the infield. There'll be no triple and no cycle. But yet another five-hit performance for Gwen and another standing O. Tony Gwynn just carving against the Philadelphia Phillies as the Crucker looks on from first base. Uh, always a good reason to be able to dust some of those off. Mudcat, by the way, uh, the, the woman you called out has logged on. Jesse! <laughs> hey, yeah, see? She's accountable. She should have had it. Jesse, first of all, thanks for watching. And yes, you should have caught that ball. If you come next year, you better work on your defense. <laughs> You're a tough Hard. manager. No, he's very tough. Great. Jesse's uh, great. I right, played uh, for you. You guys got your Friday Friday. Yeah. Friday, Friday telecast tomorrow. Uh, you're going on the road for the first time down to Atlanta. Uh, Garrett Richards and Soroka, second rookie of the year voting, I believe, in the National League a year ago. Don, I won't ask you for like a, a full pregame, you know, preview or breakdown or anything like that, but um, we're looking forward to this one. I am looking forward to that. It's a good pitching matchup. We're finally on the road, which is a, a change for our show. <laughs> so far, we've had a lot of home games. So I'm looking forward to going on the road and going to Truist Park uh, for the first time now. Uh, with the new name there. So we're looking forward to that as well. But, uh, you know, so far, what we have learned from uh, our game, our Friar Fridays, is that the Padres usually play pretty well on Friday night. So uh, I think we'll see more of the same as my guess, but I'm looking forward to it tomorrow night. I am too. Uh, Soroka beat the Padres twice last year. He pitched really, really well. One in the double digits last year. But the only bad thing about Truist Park is bad food, bad dining room. Take a hike. Not Don't good. Don't dining, right? Huh? Uh, they had no that small dining. room. Remember last year? Very, very yeah. small now by the door. By the way, you know what else that reminds me of? The guys you were ripping, and we talked about this last week, <laughs> yeah. uh, next door, the Braves TV, they were very nice sharing their food with all of us. They were very nice. Were. But we still ripped them anyway. They're boring. <laughs> <laughs> 
Frank Gore, the greatest guy in the world. He's like, I'll order you whatever you want. You guys are crushing them on television. <laughs> they didn't know about it until Padre Social Hour this year. So now yeah. we go back. We could have a problem. Right. We'll find out tomorrow. We'll tune in to find out. That's uh, uh, tomorrow at 5.30 every Friday, the Friar Friday uh, MLB The Show broadcast with Don and Mud. Thank you guys uh, both uh, for hanging out tonight. We'll look forward to that tomorrow. Thanks to Andy Ashby and Brian Dozier as well. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Jesse, thanks so much. Donnie, good seeing you. You too, Mud. There's your picture still. Oh, you got mine. Thank you very much. There it is. So good. Appreciate always keeping an eye on you. I know. Right there with your big glasses. All right. Have a good day, everybody. (laughs) That's it. No more. (laughs) Gotta go. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.